Hey MW, it's Melissa and Stephanie Carcace, two sisters and the founders of Millennial Women, and your host of Millennial Women Talk. We're so grateful you're sharing your time with us today. By tuning into this episode, you're investing in becoming the best version of you. We're thrilled to be on this journey together. In today's episode, we speak with wife, mother, actor, and overall inspiring woman, Alexa Penavega. But before we jump in, please be aware that today's episode is a heavy and important conversation about overcoming an eating disorder. We encourage you to listen with a loving heart and an open mind. Please note that we are not medical professionals and this conversation is based on opinion alone. And we encourage you to seek professional help should you or someone you love is suffering from this disease. Our intention for today's conversation is to bring awareness and solutions to those suffering from this disease around the world. As you will learn from our conversation, Alexa proves that one moment in your life does not have to define the rest of your life. We are so grateful to have had the honor to speak to Alexa. She is an incredible mother to two beautiful boys, a fantastic wife to actor and dear friend Carlos Penavega, and a successful actress in which I was so fortunate enough to act alongside her on the Hallmark film, Love at Sea. There were so many powerful moments on this episode, but here's some of our takeaways. I don't want it to be about me anymore. I've always made it about me, about what I want, about what I look like. And as soon as I gave all of that up and over, it was like a whole new world opened up. You, where you are at, are actually a world changer. I don't care if you are a cashier at your local supermarket, you have the the platform and the ability to change people and that starts with you. Okay, MW, the journey to getting closer to the best you starts right now. Alexa, thank you so much for being here. Thank you ladies for having me. I love it. Of (laughs) course. So Mel and I, we, well, Mel had the privilege of working together with you and me kind of indirectly as an extra (laughs) on the movie. But for our womanhood that might not know who you are, could you tell us a little bit about you? Okay. So my name is Alexa Penavega. I used to be uh, Vega, but when I got married, me and my husband, Carlos, decided to merge our last names, becoming the unstoppable force of the Penavegas. <laughs> I don't know. That's what that's our goal, right? Um, but yeah, so I became Penavega. I have two kids. We live here on Maui, Hawaii. But I I started acting when I was four, and I had the privilege of doing these really fun kids' movies called Spy Kids. And from there, have just stayed pretty busy, which is which is awesome. A huge blessing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we had a blast together working on, on Hallmark, and and it was just such a great experience mm-hmm. for the both of us. We play best friends. It's very it easy <laughs> to do. I, I, I seriously, so one, we love Hallmark. We work with Hallmark a whole, whole bunch. But we have tried to find more opportunities to work with you, Mel, because we just love you <gasps> so, so You're much. And if we can get back, hello, if we can get back on a ship, who shoots a movie on a ship? That was Seriously. probably one of the coolest experiences. But it was a little tough because we're so used to vacationing on cruise ships. Yes, that yes. When, when you're working on one, really diff- like making that, that solid thing going, okay, I know I'm up at 5 a.m. 
for work, and this is for work, but seeing everybody <laughs> walking by the sun deck with their ice creams it's and so like funny. their buffet items, you're oh, just, yes. you can't help but be envious. Oh, God. That was for two weeks. Yeah. And I'm all for you yeah. two working together as long as I'm an extra. <laughs> yeah, yes. That was yes, like, 100%. One of the highlights 100%. of my life. <laughs> it, it it's a paid vacation. I That's love it. About it. Yeah, I, I don't it. know if you know this, Alexa, but when we started shooting that movie, we had just launched Millennial Women, and we were yeah. doing our first live podcast event literally a month after we wrapped the movie. Yeah. So holy moly! You know what? Yeah. I do remember that. Yes, I remember because you were gearing up for it and you were excited, but there was also like this kind of nervous feeling oh, yeah. it was your first you did a big like launch event or something right yeah, huge yeah. event which is the reason why she was an extra I had yeah. to convince them to like get her on the ship in some way she performed so we could work together that was no so much way work. oh yes. awesome yeah. <laughs> they were like that's fine but she's got to be an extra I was like listen you got to be an extra because we have a lot of work to do <laughs> so we like, made it work understand I need her to be able to go on this trip with yeah. me <laughs> no really that's how it went I mean you know millennial women we got to make it work <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a hustle, but you do it because you care. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Lex, this episode, you know, we're so, so grateful for you because I think it's a conversation. And, and I remember when I first pitched you the idea, it's something that needs to be talked about nowadays. Millennial women are, you know, facing this challenge of eating disorders. Um, they've come mm-hmm. to us for support and for resources and knowledge. And, you know, you've been, it's been, hard for you. But what I love about your story is that you did not allow that moment in your life define the rest of your life. And that's what I find so inspiring about your story. And I have to tell you that we are so grateful. And in behalf of our community, thank you for sharing your story with us today and for opening up your heart. And we're just, we're really grateful for that. So thank you. Thank you. No, of course, of course. You know, I think it's, it's hard because if you look at, um, if you just look at all like advertising and how everything works, everything is about a diet. Everything has been about, you know, just like being thin and fine. We're finally in a place where it is shifted and we're no longer just looking at these stick thin figures as gorgeous, but seeing all women in all shapes and sizes and all different colors and feeling confident in who we are as opposed to how like the media has portrayed it in the past. But I think there have been enough awesome women who have come forward now and who are pushing for that in, in the media, in our advertising, that that's why we're seeing the shift or else it right. would not have happened. Yeah. Absolutely. And you definitely are one of those women. Um, I actually remember seeing you share your story with with the world, really, mm-hmm. through Dancing with the Stars. And I'm not sure if that was the first time you had shared your story to such an audience, but I believe that you shared that your you be, you became bulimic for six years straight mm-hmm. after a producer on set mentioned to you that you were overweight. Could you tell yeah. us a little bit about, about this story? So here's what's hard, and, and I don't— this isn't me about like bashing producers or anything, because at the same time, if you're in the middle of filming a project and your lead actress, no matter how age, their look begins to change completely, it's going to alter your film. So I think I also put them in a very difficult situation. But as a 
as a 15 year old, your body's going to do things that you are just experiencing for the first time. You have no idea. And being really uneducated in like the, I don't want to say diet, but a healthy lifestyle, being very uneducated when it came to eating and taking care of myself. Um, you're so fragile when you're 15. So when somebody says something to you, you really take it to heart. And, and then not just hearing it from them, but then hearing it from other people around you, it really starts to, to weigh on you. So, um, I ended up developing an eating disorder and the amount of compliments I ended up getting when I started dropping the weight was almost like the validation that I needed at the time, even though it was the worst thing ever, because it literally was validating this disease, this sickness, this thing that I was doing and hurting myself constantly with this, with bulimia, it just took over my life. And it just became this, the more and more people said, oh my gosh, you look so great. I was like, great, that's validating why I'm continuing to do this. And it just became, it becomes your identity. It's terrible, but it, it becomes your identity and your obsession. And it's so hard because my biggest fear was that anybody would ever find out that I had an eating disorder. It, it would haunt me daily because I was, I felt guilty about it. I didn't want to do it, but you also, it, it's like, it's like a love hate relationship and right. you need food to survive. So it was constantly there. It's not like, okay, an alcoholic can just stay away from alcohol. What right. do you do when you have like this binging and purging disorder where you're going to just have to find that healthy balance with food? And it took me a really long time. And a lot of it came down to my faith and mm -hmm. going, okay, God, you made me for a much bigger purpose. Yeah. And right now I'm making this about me. I need to make it about mm -hmm. you before I can change. Wow. Absolutely. So you mentioned that at 15, you know, you weren't educated on the other options, right? Of how to healthy, um, healthily take care of your body in the sense of losing weight, right? Right. But at the same time, my question to you would be, so how did you become educated on bulimia and and how did you come across it? Did you have somebody in your circle that you knew was doing this? Was it something in a TV show that you or movie that you might have saw? How did you learn about bulimia and, and that being sort of something that you can rely on to get what you wanted, which is to lose know, weight? Right. The saddest part is it totally, I'm not gonna say who it was, but it it was somebody in my inner circle. And it's heartbreaking because those kind of people have such an impact on your life. Mm -hmm. And then, and then when they see you going through it, again, there was even validation from those people just kind of encouraging it because it was working for me wow. <laughs> and for them in a way. So um, it's, it's so disappointing because looking back, having the knowledge that I have now and having gone through something like that. It's disappointing and heartbreaking, but at the same time, I try not to get angry about it. I try to just have grace going, okay, it, it was a different time. Not that it was, that it was okay, but it was a different time where everything was stick thin. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but this is when like Lindsay and Nicole right, Richie yep. were like this big on the cover of Us Weekly yeah, every yeah. week. And it was about like being tiny, tiny, tiny. 
And again, it goes back to that validation. The more and more you have validation, the more and more you want to do it. So then, you know, I, the internet was, was around back then. So I would start Googling it and I would start seeing like, all right, well, how bad is this for my body? You know, and, and it really, I didn't see big enough repercussions um, to go, oh, I should be afraid of this. Like I knew it wasn't good for me, but what I didn't realize and what I didn't see is you're literally slowly killing your body. There's a lot on anorexia, but you don't see a lot on, on bulimia. They just say like, oh, this is an eating disorder, whatever. They don't say how you're depleting your body of essential nutrients and how, yeah, like the reason why you weigh less is because your kidneys don't weigh what they're supposed to weigh. Your liver, like everything has been depleted. It's not just about fat. It's about like the actual organs that are supposed to weigh a certain amount because they're loaded with nutrients. Those go away. And you know what's that? I just thinking of the visual of that, for some reason, I'm thinking about my organs and I'm thinking about how they're shrinking and how they're depleting and how you're saying you're literally killing yourself. It's, yeah. it, it blows my mind to, to even think that this has ever been around for people to see, to know that it's quote unquote an option. But I would love to explore when did you realize I have a problem and if I don't stop this, like I could die. It was interesting because it, it first, so again, like I said, I knew, I knew it wasn't good. Like I didn't go into it thinking like, oh, this is a great thing. I knew it was like my quick fix solution. And then it got to a point where I just, I couldn't stop. Like I could stop, I'm sure if I really, really like got into a program or something. But like I said, my biggest fear was people finding out that I had this eating disorder. So I would say like two years in, I just felt like a ton of shame. I don't think I ever feared that I would die. But my my fear was just like, I want to go out and be normal and not worry about food and then not worry about, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to like secretly purge this without people finding, like finding out what I'm doing? Like I have to, I have to find a bathroom. I have to find a bathroom right now. So it became like this, it's just such an unhealthy, crazy lifestyle to be in because it would, any hangout time that was super fun, it would just totally. Cause everything is like around food. Like, Oh, do you want to go to lunch? Do right, you want to do yeah. this? Like, like let's go to the mall and also grab some food. It was right. just always there. And it took over like so many fun situations. So yeah. I would say two years in is when I knew that it was bad. Um, but then it went on for another four years and it was toward that last year. Just so many things were happening in my life and, um, with people around me that I would just, for a year, I tried to stop on my own, like really, really hard, just praying about it. And, and I would throw all the stuff that I thought was unhealthy out of like, out of my apartment and just like try to just eat really healthy for two weeks thinking like, maybe, maybe that's what'll fix me. But it wasn't because it wasn't about junk food or healthy food. It was, it became about like the purge, which was really weird. Um, and then one day I just literally, I was like on my knees, just begging God, I don't want this anymore. And I can't do it on my own. Like I keep trying over and over and over again. And 
again, it's that fear of like actually going to a facility and getting help. And I just, I was like, I need you to take this from me. Mm. I really need you to take this from me. And it's crazy because the next day I woke up and that desire, I cannot explain it to you because it doesn't happen like this for everybody, but the desire was gone. It was like, it was like waking up in the morning and finally feeling freedom. It was as if somebody had like took off chains while I was sleeping and I woke up in the morning wow. and saw freedom for the first time. And, and I was waiting for the fall. I was genuinely waiting for that. Okay. I feel this way right now, but when is that desire going to come back again? It's going to come back. It's going to come back. And a day would go by. Then the next day went by. Then the next day went by. And it just then became my normal to not do it anymore. And I was free. And since then, I have been completely free from it. And I'm telling you, it literally took me being on my knees and like begging for that to be gone and and for it to go away because I had tried on my own so many times and it just wasn't happening for me. But I also had never gone to a treatment center. And I know that's really helpful for a lot of young women as well. But it's scary. It's super, super scary. And to go through it alone because the people around me who knew about it, like I'm sure they didn't want me to do it, but they also didn't care either way, which was probably really frustrating at the time. So I kind of want to stay on the topic of faith, right? I once heard um, someone say that depression, the way to cure depression is literally instead of putting the pressure of yourself, Mm -hmm. taking it out of yourself. And, Mm -hmm. and so you said something really powerful. You, you said that you came to a point that you knew I can't get myself out of here. Right. And so you took out that pressure from yourself and you put it in your faith. Were you always a person of faith? Um, well, first I want to say, yes, I completely agree with, with what you just said. And, um, from someone who didn't realize that they could have like depressing or depression kind of tendencies um, that would pop up, which is a lot of the reason why I think the eating disorder stayed for so long was because, um, you know, you really do make everything about you. And and it's not to say that the person who's going through depression is like some selfish, terrible person. That's not what I'm saying. But you're just so you focused that you have to be able to step out of that bubble, out of that box to be able to overcome that depression, because it's very easy to just live in a victim state. I think a lot more of us do it than, than we think. And it might not be like full-blown depression, but we like to always look at ourselves as a victim. Nobody wants to be the bad guy. Nobody right. wants to have to yeah. be the one to make that change, right? So my faith growing up, like we would, I think we went to church up until I was about 12, but Sunday school was kind of the extent of my like relationship with God. It was just on Sundays. And then as I got older, around 16, I really wanted to start going to church, you know, on my own and for me. And I think a lot of it also had to do with the fact that I was seeking something to help me. Like, you know, when you want somebody, like you want your parent to actually get onto you and tell you like what you're doing is not good. So I think it was one of those things where, you know, I wasn't necessarily getting that from my family. So I needed an outside source to like 
tell me what you're doing is not good. Like you cannot be living like this anymore. So I started going to church on Sundays. And again, it was by myself and it was just on Sundays. So, but I learned little and little like here and there. And I started to develop a a relationship with God, but I knew that there was more. Like I knew it couldn't just stop there. Like it wasn't just like a, Oh, God is on Sundays and that's it. (laughs) I knew there was more and I craved more. I wanted more. And then I actually got married. And during that time, right before I got married, my mom actually approached my, my then fiance and said, Hey, before you get married, you just need to know uh, Alexa has a really bad eating disorder because he had no idea. And my world, like I just saw it crumbling down because this is a man that I was with for a long time. It was somebody that I really cared about. And he found out my biggest, darkest secret, like the one thing I never wanted anybody to know. Um, And he was very kind, obviously frustrated because, you know, there's just a lot of deception and lies involved with that. But from there on, literally, he was like by my side for a year, like like right next to the bathroom, (laughs) right next to me during all of like my eating stuff, everything. So like I was like forced to stop for a year, but not by my own will, not because I wanted it, not because like it was, and and bless him because what he did was really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And to have somebody care about you enough to do that is a very, is a very big deal. And I will always be thankful. And, and he knows like what a, what a big part he played in that journey. So, so I major thank yous to Sean for that. (laughs) Um, cause that's tough, but you know, it it wasn't, it wasn't a, a decision that I was making. It was a decision that I was forced into. So it made me really resentful. So even though like, sure, for the time being, my eating disorder was over, it was not conquered. It was just hindered. If that like, Mm. I couldn't, I physically couldn't do it because I had somebody there stopping me, but every urge was still there. Every desire to do it was still there. The addiction of it was not over. Mm. I ended up getting a divorce, going right back into it. And then that's when like the whole on my knees thing took place because that's where my faith was really, really starting to grow. I just really wanted that relationship with God so, so, so badly. And I'm like, I don't want it to be about me anymore. I've always made it about me, about what I want, about what I look like. And as soon as I gave all of that up and over, it was like a whole new world opened up and it, I had this freedom all around, like the freedom from food, the freedom from people, the freedom, like I was such a people pleaser and I still fall into that a lot. It's really easy to do because who doesn't want to be liked? Who doesn't want to, you know, get validation from, from others. But at the same time, we weren't supposed to be people pleasers. I, I love being an encourager. I love being a listening ear, but I think if anything, we have to be honest with one another, even if it, even if it hurts. And I, yesterday I was just talking to Carlos and, you know, we're going to be starting a podcast as well. But the, the one thing that I really wanted to touch on was that rejection. What did I tell him yesterday? Rejection. <laughs> not, I'm like trying to think, I knew it was really good, but my mom brain is kicking in. Is so there obstacles in your life? 
And the rejection that comes up from that and the no's that you get, you can't look at those as negative things. Like whenever you, you, when you come up against something that's challenging to you, you should enjoy that. Mm -hmm. And it's really frustrating in the moment, but that's where you grow. Like when you're at the gym, you grow by, by exercising, by pushing your muscles, by, by having to kind of force your muscles to work. And it's the same way. Like you can't grow without any of these obstacles. So I realized the more and more, sorry, this is like a big tangent to get to back, get back to where I'm going to. The more and more (laughs) I thought about me, the harder it was to overcome anything, especially rejection in this industry. I mean, like how many times do we get told no after these auditions that you work so hard for, or even like with people and like, there could be a cute guy that you want to go out with and you get rejected or, or a breakup or whatever that may be. And the more and more you just make it about you instead of overall, like the other person or the people around you, you won't really ever be able to overcome any of the obstacles in your life. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And I'm actually a really big fan of quote unquote failures and rejections. Yeah, for sure. For me, I get excited because I'm like, oh, something good is coming. Yes. <laughs> something yes. good is coming. I get really excited. So yeah. one of our favorite quotes is every reject every rejection is a redirection. Yeah. Oh, totally. I love that. Yeah. I'm gonna steal that. I'll quote you, but <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, no, yeah, it's a- so true. It's so true. And I also think that when you overcome these obstacles, like that's where true self-confidence actually comes mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's where you begin to trust, you know? Yeah. So I think every opportunity to overcome something is it's it's like what you're saying, it's growing. And right. ultimately that's where your confidence truly comes from. Real confidence is yeah. in the no matter what happens, I've already overcome so many things, so I can do it again. You know? Yeah. But I I love everything that you're saying about your faith and and you're being so open and I think it's so hard to do that, you know? And so I really appreciate that. Yes, definitely. Thank you. And I think faith is the number one priority in life in general. I think that without that, there's really, it's very hard for somebody to face obstacles and not feel Mm -hmm. like they see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? So you have to have something that gives you hope. And for me, your whole story with with your faith is it, it's very relatable yeah. to us with our personal, uh, you know, challenges. Personally, for me, from coming back from depression and things like that, faith was the only thing that got me through. So I can relate so so much to what you're saying. Oh, thanks, Mel. I do want to talk a little bit too about you know mommyhood and how that journey's been for you, and has your past challenges kind of I I guess kind of resurfaced in some sort of way. Um, I did read in, in an article, actually when we were shooting the movie with The Void, um, that you had shared that you were afraid that you couldn't conceive. Um, mm, talk to yeah. me a little bit about your, I guess your emotional journey with that and and maybe guilt if you felt that as well. Totally. Um, I think that's an awesome question. Uh, you know, when you come through an eating disorder, especially the one that lasted so long, there are a lot of long-term repercussions that happen to your body. So I dealt with major stomach issues for years and years, actually up until recently did like I ever have like just no, like normal, healthy gut things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to describe that. Um, but you know, the, it was, it was really scary because 
the reality of the choices that I made really started to hit when we were trying to get pregnant. And, you know, I thought I'm healthy now. So I really should be able to have a baby pretty quickly. Like we eat well, um, we're active, we're young. There shouldn't be a reason why this wouldn't happen for us. And, you know, after, you know, five months, six months, like you start to go, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to have kids. And I think it's my fault. It's Mm. different if it weren't your fault. It's different if, you know, you were just born with something that made it harder to have kids or, you know, knowing that I was the one who was damaging this temple, so to speak, and it couldn't house like a child. It just really got to me. And it was, it was a, it was big reality check because, and I think also at that point I had already come out about having an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. So to now be at this place, I'm like, no, I was like, I want to, I want to actually make a difference. Like I was vocal about this because I want to use what I had as a testimony. And now I feel like I'm still dealing with the punishment of what I did. And, and I know God is not up there going, I'm going to punish you for what you did at all. He's an all loving God with so much grace. And, um, and that's really what kept me pushing forward and didn't allow me to sink into this. Like I definitely did have guilt, but I didn't allow it to get me to a place where I'm just like, you're punishing me because he wasn't. It was just something that I had to go through and overcome and know that, yeah, maybe, maybe this is a repercussion of what I did. But again, I know that my amazing God has grace Mm -hmm. and and it, if anything, it made me want to be an even better person <laughs> because I'm like, okay, I'm going to do everything in my power to be the best version of me that I can be with my diet, with how I treat people, with how I am with my family, uh, you know, just every aspect of my life. I want to just honor mm-hmm. God however I can. And, and if I can have a baby, great. If that is not for us then that's okay because we're still going to be impactful in all the ways that we can. And thank God we were blessed with our little ocean or not so little ocean. (laughs) And now we have another baby. But for sure, there were so many things and feelings that come into your head because of my eating disorder. But thankfully, I was set free from it. So I didn't have to have – the chains can come back on. Those chains can be locked onto your body at any moment. And I think that's why my faith is so important because they keep the chains off. And it keeps reminding me because, man, let me tell you, the devil loves to just like get at you and make you think that you, it's like anything still has a hold on you, whether it's past relationships, whether it's the rejection that you get from your business or from the people around you. It's just like, we always say it's these lies that you start to believe that you have to remember these are lies. These are not my truth. Like my truth is success and freedom. Like, but the biggest of all is freedom. So just remembering that I have complete freedom in his grace. Absolutely. What, what would you say to maybe a woman that's maybe dealing with this right now, some sort of guilt, maybe not necessarily eating disorder, but anything, any sort of guilt at all. Could you maybe give some, some words of support? The advice that I could give is that Guilt is is nothing. It is not something from 
God. I know that a lot of people, especially when they see people of faith or when people are talking about being Christian in any way, the first thing that people think of is like guilt and shame. And and that's actually the opposite of what following Jesus really is about. Um, If you looked at his walk, he was never like guilting and shaming people. If Mm -hmm. anything, he was just loving on people and meeting them where they're at. He wasn't saying you have to be perfect to sit with me or to be next to me. He's actually, he actually loves you for your imperfections because there's nothing that you can do to earn that love because he loves you regardless. And I think remembering that guilt is not a part of who God made you to be. That's actually a total lie of the enemy. So release your guilt. It has nothing to do with your walk. That that guilt is a chain. So just undo that chain mm-hmm. and keep walking into the purpose that God has in your life. That is so beautiful. I love that. That's powerful. You're saying so many good things. I, I just I can't. <laughs> you also mentioned something that was so beautiful. You mentioned that your body is, is a temple in a way. How have you yeah. now with this new view of your body, right? And you want to honor it and honor God at the same time. How do you mm-hmm. view food right now? How are you fueling your body and taking care of yourself? And how was that process to actually view your body as a temple? That's so beautiful. Thank you. Uh, you know, I think for I think for everybody, it's not like a straight road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, because we want to be healthy, but obviously I love pie as well. And I love my arroz con pollo. So there's like finding a really good balance. Um, this is what I tell people. Find a lifestyle that works for you and the people around you. Mm-hmm. Because if you make it about dieting, you're going to fall short and you're going to come off that diet. It's just going to happen. Like you can't be on a diet for 75 years. Right. <laughs> so, right. so find a lifestyle that you're happy and content with and stick to that. And for us, It's a sad story, but it's also an incredibly powerful one. Um, This last year, we had our friend's son passed away from leukemia, and he was only 10 years old. And it was a really, really hard thing for all of us to go through because, you know, my little brother had cancer when he was three. He also had leukemia and anaplastic large cell lymphoma, and he beat it, but it was a really long battle with cancer. And when you see this happening to, to kids, it is, it is just shocking. Um, but there's something, and I think maybe it has to do with the fact that I have kids now and I'm older, but watching little Taven go through this, it made me want to research. Like before when my brother was going through cancer, it just broke my heart and it was really hard, but I never really did research on the why he got cancer. It was just more like, oh, he had cancer. So now let's fight it. Whereas this time with Taven, we're like, wait a minute, why did he get cancer? I don't care about the, like, yes, we care about how to solve this, but I want to prevent it. Like, I want to prevent this in my kid's life. I want to prevent this in my life. How do we do this? And the more I researched, like, there's just so much stuff that unknowingly we put onto our bodies and in our bodies. We can't control the air that we breathe. You know, there are chemicals around us all the time, and that's just going to happen. But what can I be in control of? And that came down to, all the different foods and the products that we put on our bodies. And 
I used to make fun of these people. So there was a lot of ignorance. Like when someone would say that they would only eat organic food, I was like, all right, you hippy dippy person. (laughs) Like I would, I genuinely would make fun of them. And a lot of my close friends were on these all organic kicks, I would say. I'm like, well, that's just the fad right now. However, (laughs) um, as I did more research, I realized I'm like, oh my goodness, they get away with putting essentially like rat poison in our food to preserve Mm -hmm. it. And if I served you a meal and I'm like, hey, listen, this is so good. I had to put a little rat poison in it, but it's only a little bit. You won't even taste it. Would you eat that meal? No, absolutely not. No, you'd be like, you just put rat poison in my food. I'm not eating this. But that's basically what happens with like a lot of a lot of the foods that are out there. But it's like that out of sight, out of mind thing. Um, So for us, when we're, especially when we're at home, we stick to mainly an organic diet, like a completely organic diet. And we're just becoming more aware of how and what foods affect our bodies for our whole family. And then we're not, we don't like putting other people out. So if we go to somebody else's home, we're not going to say, hey, you will only cook for us organic food. (laughs) You know, we're going to be, because you can't, like we travel a lot for work. So, so we have a really good balance, but we try to eat as organic as possible in our lives. And then, um, and I feel like we just are always active people. So just keep moving. Like you want to get your heart rate up daily. So what I would just say is just like stay really active and then do your research on what you're putting into your body and onto your body. Cause a lot of those like really cute, cheap lotions or perfumes that yeah. smell so good yep. are, like, are really bad for you. Yep. Yes. Um, and I was the queen of all of those. So, <laughs> so yeah, just same. There's nothing wrong with research. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, what I love is that your view now is about what is the best for my body so that my body is at its, its optimal level. So it's not even about the exterior. It's all about your interior, making sure that you're feeling great, mm-hmm. which essentially makes you an amazing actor, mom, wife, human <laughs> being. So like it just, your view now is, is, well, is healthy. When yeah. you function. Yeah. And when you you're can. functioning well, it, it get, you have more energy. Like actually a lot of your gut health is directly linked to depression, to people getting headaches, Mm. to being tired. All of that comes back down to your gut health. So it makes so much sense that when I was going through my eating disorder, that I would also be one exhausted, but also depressed, not really uh, like just so much brain fog, not being able to make true, solid, good decisions necessarily for my life. Just everything kind of felt like a dream state all the time. And it's because I have really terrible gut health. So the more you can get on top of that, it actually starts, it's like the domino effect in your life. Because if you can control in a healthy way, what you're putting into your body, as opposed to like my, I'm in control, but really my eating disorder had complete control over me. But if you can control in a healthy way, the things that you're putting into your body, you are going to have like a direct effect everywhere. And for me, I'm going, okay, I'll have this piece of pie. Like that's fine. But I also want to honor God and honor myself in everything else that I put into my body. Cause if I'm just eating junk food all the time, you know, this is a gift, like this body right here, Mm -hmm. this is a gift. And I want to make sure that I am taking care of this gift for me, for my family, Mm -hmm. because I want to be able to operate at a hundred percent. If I'm not operating 
operating at 100%. I'm not just letting me down. I'm letting my two kids down. I'm letting my husband down and the people around me that I could be affecting in a positive way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Conversations like this makes me so excited to share because, you know, in the beginning of the interview, you mentioned something that I feel is so, the reason why we make bad decisions is because we're uneducated. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like that whole saying Mm -hmm. that if you knew better, you would do better. And, you know, conversations like this for any woman out there that is hearing this, that might be struggling, you know, with just being unhappy with your body image, Mm -hmm. you know, you have other options that are healthy and that could support that vision of that optimal you, right? And, um, yeah. And I think ultimately it's really just about, like you were saying, you want to perform at 100% and it's not necessarily has anything to do with your exterior. Right. Um, you know, our bodies are all so different. Uh, Alexa, you know, my, my body's different, <laughs> um, you know, and, and you as well. So yeah. it's like we just have Isn't to… Isn't that awesome though? It's yeah. awesome. Like, you know, it's funny. I've, I've I've had conversations with other women and they've asked me if I've ever, you know, struggled personally with my body. And I, I'm happy to report that I haven't. I, I'm aware that this is how I look and my bones are a certain way and the, I yeah. can't do really much about it. I, I try to just like the same as you eat as best as I possibly can to make awesome. sure that I'm performing at my best. But I mean... M- my hips, my hips are my hips. Like, <laughs> and it, it is still alive. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. And no. I think, I think we all have, you know, especially women, we all have our stories and our journeys with our bodies. Mm-hmm. But I do think the narratives are changing, yeah. which makes me so for excited. Sure. Like, you know, I, I when you're speaking, I, I, you know, we all resonate with each other because we all have similarities in in our journeys in life. And I'm hearing you speak, I start thinking and reflecting back on mine. And I definitely, because I was also, you know, in the industry of singing and it was always this, like, you can't have your dream until you lose the weight. Right. right. And I think I know, a lot right? of people, you know, kind of associate their body image without not being able to get something Mm -hmm. that they really want. Mm -hmm. And then that whole narrative takes over you, right? And I definitely had a binging problem for sure. And later on, then I found out I had Hashimoto's, my my hypothyroidism. And so all of these things, ultimately, now I'm in such a great place, but it's it's that research, it's the education, it's finding other options, you know, because when you are stuck in that all is me because that you're going through this and it's painful. You kind of only see, well, what can help me like right now, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like the way that I would feel still in control was binging and et cetera. But, you know, the more we talk about this, the better because we all, we're becoming yeah. so enlightened and aware of all these options we have and just yeah. changing our view the way, Mel, you're saying it's not necessarily about your exterior but about your interior, about taking care of your insides, and ultimately that affects everything else. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I see. Well, that was that was beautifully said. <laughs> Thank <laughs> um, you. But you know, it, it's interesting because if you look at if you look at billboards, if you look in magazines, or at, now that everything is online, look online. They show you what success looks like, mm. and it's such the wrong idea of what success actually is. So growing up, I think all of us thought success means thin. Success means, so success looks like 
thin model in this perfectly cut, like tailored, cool suit that only like a, a six foot thin lady would look good in. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't know if that makes sense, but, yes. but they, they implant in you what success looks like. So unless you look like that, you just never feel successful. No matter what you do, you can, you can be affecting people in a positive light over and over and over again with all the people around you. But because you don't look like that person, you don't feel successful, or at least I didn't at the time, but I felt successful when I was super skinny and people were telling me, wow, you look amazing. Yet behind the scenes, I'm like binging and purging and I felt successful, but it was because again, it goes down to media. It's so manipulative and you don't realize how manipulated you are by it until you're in the thick of it. So being on the outside now and looking in, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think that's another reason why I love living on this island so much. I very rarely wear makeup. We are in just like little t-shirts and shorts running around and I've never felt more successful in my life and I've never felt more empowered in my life. And it's not because I am in this business suit running around changing the world. I'm changing the world right here from my house and it's awesome. And I think that's the one thing, like if, if people can walk away with anything today is you, where you are at are actually a world changer. I don't care if you are a cashier at your local supermarket, you have the, the platform and the ability to change people. And that starts with you. Like you don't need, you don't need a bigger platform. You don't need more followers. You don't need to be thinner. You don't need to be fatter. Like you don't need to be like, have these strong muscles. Like you don't need any of that. It starts exactly where you're at with the platform that you have. Absolutely. And yeah. So if if they can take away anything, it's that you're a world changer right now where you're at. I could not agree with that statement even more. You know, we were fortunate enough to have an incredible grandfather that that was his legacy was just Mm. game changer right from his house. And when he passed, I couldn't even tell you there were so many people at his funeral, no idea who they were, but they all came (laughs) up to us and said, your grandfather did this for us. He helped us. He talked to me when I needed, you know, somebody to like... That is true legacy, right? And to your point, success is not about the quote-unquote platform and the followers. It's what are you doing for your community, for your family, for the people around you? Well, if everybody did that in their own community, starting today, that's really how the world changes. Oh, fully. Fully. I I love that you want everybody to take that away because that is— beautiful. That's the truth. Well, because yeah, like you said, that's where the, that's where the change comes in. Somebody asked this question, I think it was Francis Chan. He like posted it on his uh, little Instagram page or something, but the question was, and it was about churches, but I think this is, we, we should take it as like a person by person. But what he said was, if the church in your community disappeared, would the community notice and would they feel the weight of the church gone? And Mm. I thought that was really interesting because a lot of churches, the way, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the way a lot of churches had become, not all of them, they've become this thing where they're their own community and they don't affect the community around them in any way. Yep. When, when church is supposed to be outreach, it's supposed to be the place where anybody in your community can go, whether they know God, whether they know Jesus, like that church is supposed to be a place for community, not just the Christian quote unquote community. 
And, and I really, that really hit me big. I'm like, oh my gosh. So it just made me even dive into our church more going, is our, it would our church be missed by the local community and 100%. Like that's how I felt even more positive going, okay, I'm at a really good place. I really love (laughs) our local church, but on like an even deeper level, would you be missed by your community? And when the impact of you no longer being here affect them because of your like current effect on their life. And that little boy Taven who passed away this year, he's just 10 years old. His huge effect on our community. The kid was like an 80 year old in a 10 year old's body. He was so wise, so beautiful the entire time throughout all of his treatments. He never, ever complained. He never said, why me? He, he was just, he was the toughest kid I've ever seen. And, and he left a legacy, but that's because he didn't make it about him. Exactly. Always made it about other people and being a light he being like God's kingdom here on earth, like he was such a light in this place. That's amazing. Yeah. And like you said, he didn't make it about him. It's it was mm-hmm. never about us, right? So our purpose really has to do with us servicing God and, and figuring out what is our task for him, because that's why that's why we're here. But it's beautifully yes. said. Um, so Lex, I hate that we have to cut this short already because I'm like, <laughs> we could keep talking for hours. You've said such great advice. I guess I would love to end it in, in what would you say to any millennial woman right now that's looking for some sort of um, hope in anything that, that they're going through right now? What's something that you can share that would inspire them? Um, I would say the hope is that it's not about you. Mm-hmm. I think the more you can be focused on helping other people and and encouraging other people and lifting people up. And whether that is just smiling at people throughout your day, it really impacts you in such a positive way that I know it sounds so silly, but the more and more you don't make it about you, the fuller life you have, you really, really do because it comes back to you in a way that just is so much more fulfilling. Whereas if you're so you focused, you won't be able to ever get enough. Your like your cup can be overflowing, but it will never be enough because it's not piercing your heart. It's just crap in a cup. <laughs> so I would say, I would say try try as much as you can to just be a light to those around you, lift people up, have grace for the people around you because Lord knows we need grace all the time because half the time we can't see our junk and the way we affect people. Yeah. So just having a lot of grace for the people around you and go out there and be a world changer where you're at. Absolutely. Beautifully, beautifully said. Alexa, thank you so much for your time. No, I love you <laughs> girls. Thank you for having me. We love you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> of course, of course. Thank you so much again and for your honesty and openness. We're so grateful for you. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you or a loved one is suffering from an eating disorder, please visit nationaleatingdisorders.org. If you want to learn more about Alexa and watch her adorable family on YouTube, follow them at Lex Loves Lowe's and at Vega Alexa on Instagram. Subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify. This helps us continue to bring powerful conversations just like this to you every single week. Want free and discounted resources? Sign up right now to our free newsletter at wearemillennialwomen.com for subscriber-only freebies and perks to help you become the best version of yourself. 
we encourage you to continue on with the conversation. Keep being the strong, amazing woman that you are and never forget to live inspired. Until next time, MW. Always love Melissa and Stephanie Karkache.